Hello, my name is Diana Dirkby and I live with paranoid schizophrenia. You're listening to my podcast, Schizophrenia As I Live It, which is about my personal journey with paranoid schizophrenia and also that of my mother who also lived with paranoid schizophrenia. I have written a book called The Overlife, A Tale of Schizophrenia, which is a fiction book, but is nonetheless uh, strongly based on my authentic experiences of paranoid schizophrenia and that of my mother. The book has just come out in audio form. Uh, So, for example, you can go on the Audible app and you can get it there at a 30% discount. Or if you're new to Audible, you can get it for zero dollars if you sign up for a free trial of Audible. So I'm excited about that. I think that the audio book, in some sense, helps the text to come alive. It's an enhanced experience, and uh, I hope that you give some thought to purchasing the audio book and listening to the wonderful rendition of it given by the very gifted narrators that I was lucky to have the privilege to work with. So today I wanted to talk about gaining objectivity. So on my website, overlivedschizophrenia.com, that was the subject of my last blog post. So it can appear often to people who are trying to help you when you are in the middle of a relapse of paranoid schizophrenia or what is sometimes called a psychotic break. Uh, Their attempts to say, well, you know, can't you see how your thoughts and your actions look to people who are not afflicted by a, a mental illness? Can't you just compare and come to your senses? Well. Unfortunately, that tends not to work very well because when you're really sick and you're really paranoid, um, people are frightened of you and their reactions often seem more crazy and paranoid to you than even your own state of mental health. So, you know, this comparison between what you're doing and what people think of it is not really a good avenue when you're dealing with paranoia and the perturbation of the senses that come with paranoid schizophrenia. I find the best way to gain objectivity is to listen to my doctors and my spouse. So my spouse is my caregiver. He loves me very much, and he's very susceptible to any changes that take place in how I relate to him or in how I relate to others. My doctors, so the psychologist I talk to every week and the psychiatrist every few months, they also can detect when I'm going off the rails. So the first step to a breakthrough when I'm relapsing badly is for my caregiver, my spouse, and my doctors to get through to me that I'm sick and that they need to take some kind of action to get me to a stage where I can control my symptoms. 
at least partially. So in the psychologist's case, it just entails her going on doing what she's doing. She does it very well. She gets me to open up. She gets me to express what I feel. Uh, and she doesn't pass judgment. She just encourages me to express myself. And my psychiatrist usually reacts to a downturn in my mental health by giving me a stronger dose of my medication. Until I can begin to see myself that something is wrong and I begin to be able to be critical of myself in the sense that I want to get to a different place in how I'm behaving and how I'm treating people. So for me, the object objectivity cannot begin until I'm doing slightly better with my schizophrenia. So it's not going to occur in the midst of a full relapse. It's going to occur during the healing process, the recovery process from a severe relapse, which in my case, I can only achieve by listening to my spouse and trusting my doctors. So I find that when I begin to gain a little bit of objectivity, the first thing I really want to do is to repair any scary feelings that people who are hopeful causes, as I described in my last uh, podcast, people who there's some hope that if they can understand you, then they'll come around and want to be your friend again. The first thing I want to do with them is to tell them that, yes, I've recently been through a very bad period in my mental health, but that I'm getting it under control with my doctors and the help of my spouse. And the people who are hopeful causes then usually begin to come around because uh, they can see that I admit that my mental health is not good at that particular time, and they're reassured that I'm working to getting to a better place. And they will begin to, to interact with me. And I find that what I need to do is not just educate them a little bit about schizophrenia, about how I'm feeling, and about why I do what I do. That, of course, is important. But that it's essential to talk to them about the things that are, are important to me that have nothing to do with my mental health. So as I'm always saying, if you live with a mental illness or a brain disorder, you are not defined by that illness or that brain disorder. It's part of what you have to cope with in your life, but your life has many other aspects. So it helps me gain objectivity and it helps people to engage with me if I talk about things that I love doing without men mentioning mental health. And then kind of on the way I can put in a little bit about uh, schizophrenia and educating them to how I feel and putting their mind at rest that uh, the symptoms that may seem scary to them are in fact 
much more scary to me and that I'm in very good hands with my doctors and my spouse. So it's kind of you've got to find the right cocktail between talking about schizophrenia and educating them and talking about all the things in your life that have nothing to do with schizophrenia. Now, there's going to be people, as I said last time, who won't have anything to do with you just because of your diagnosis or who have experienced you in a bad relapse and are not interested really in seeing how healthy you can get and in interacting with you once you're healthy again. They just don't want the bother of having you in their lives. And as I said last time, I really encourage you to leave these people alone. I mean, if someone is not prepared to meet you even partway, it doesn't have to be even halfway, it can just be partway, then you're much better off concentrating on people who may have been shocked by the way you behave, may have been scared by the way you behave, but they really like you and, and they really want to pursue the friendship or the relationship if it's in the family. And what they want want most of all is to understand. And so then once you know that that's their point of view, it's up to you to choose the balance between educating them about schizophrenia and making it plain to them that you're many other things beside your schizophrenia. So I've had a very good experience with neighbors, for example. Uh, my husband and I are very lucky there. We divide our time between Texas and Alaska. We haven't quite decided where we're going to permanently live yet. And we've been very blessed to have neighbors who've been incredibly understanding. Now, they have let me know when I've been really sick how worried they are about me. But they have been interested in the cause, so I've been able to talk to them about schizophrenia, and they've been interested in renewing the friendship once I'm feeling better, and they have really shown interest in the aspects of myself that have nothing to do with schizophrenia. So I love to write, I love to listen to music, uh, I, I love to go hiking, I love animals. Um, and I have a very good relationship with my husband. So uh, they, especially when my husband is there, they, they, they have no hesitation inviting me to their home or going out to eat with me in a restaurant. And gradually the friendship builds again. But they have the added knowledge that I may have periods of bad mental health, but if I've chosen the right balance, between explaining what schizophrenia is and talking about the other things in my life, they won't fear a relapse. They'll just know that uh, it's nothing to be frightened of. It's just part of what I have to deal with with my health. And there's nothing they really need to do except to be kind. So uh, I, I once went to a conference uh, about schizophrenia, and one of the main speakers there said that, you know, if you don't know what else to do when someone is experience, experiencing a, a, a bad period of mental health, 
Just be kind. And that will go a long way. And you may not, as an external, as an external observer, see that your kindness is getting anywhere, but it really does. It helps to put the person undergoing the symptoms of schizophrenia at ease. It helps them to view you as a friend rather than a foe. And it doesn't cost you anything. And, you know, I've gotten very, very good at not bothering people when I gain enough objectivity to know that I'm sick. Sometimes when I'm sick, before I gain the objectivity, so before I can work with my doctors to get there, I may make myself a bit of a nuisance by maybe writing emails or talking to them in a manner that uh, they don't understand. But, you know, now I've educated them a little bit. They know that this means that I'm just sick, and so they just wait it out and uh, when I begin to gain objectivity, I usually apologize and I say, you know, I'm sorry if I went overboard, uh, but I'm doing much better now and, you know, I'd really like to see you. So you can gain objectivity, but you can't gain objectivity when you're really, really sick by people saying, saying, can you see how you look? Can you see what you're thinking? Can't you see? that it's not real. When a person is really struggling and really sick, that is simply not going to work. You have to help them seek treatment and you have to wait until they're doing better before you can talk about relationships with other people. Now, I I wrote a blog and I did a podcast, uh, audio podcast, uh, which is not in this series, but is in um, the audio series about the LEAP method. And that is a method uh, designed to help you cope with someone undergoing a psychotic relapse. And LEAP stands for listen, empathize, agree, and partner. And in none of those words is there a hint of someone who is healthy trying to force someone who is going through a mental health crisis to see reason because it simply doesn't work that way. I mean, by definition, when you're in psychosis, you've lost touch with reality and it it often appears to you that other people are crazy and paranoid. So often the things actually which you're experiencing, you project onto other people because you don't understand the way they're behaving. So it has to wait till your health is doing a little bit better before statements which are comparative can really enter into the information that you're prepared to take on board and say, yes, I can see that. Uh, and I'm really sorry about that, but you know, um, this is what schizophrenia is. And despite the fact that I have this illness, these are the things I'm interested in. These are the things that I love to do. And one of the things that I enjoy doing is relating to people who can meet me part way about my mental illness. 
So that's what I have to say for today. Of course, I'm very excited that uh, my book has come out in audio form. Uh, uh, it, the narration of the book really brings the book alive. So I, I really would ask you to take some time to go on the Audible app, for example, of Amazon and uh, take a look at the audio book and um, consider buying it because it's like the written book but coming alive because it's narrated. Okay, so I thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.